text messages. Okay, mm-hmm. in relationship to the squirrel went berserk in the Saint Anne Catholic Church uh-huh. um, and broke the crucifix. Uh-huh. Somebody's texting to say this. Maybe we should obey the second commandments. An angel was sent to remind them via a squirrel. Well, that's an interesting thought. The second commandment says, Thou shalt not, shalt not make any carved image. And, uh, of course, their carved image was kind of smashed by the squirrel overnight. <laughs> Bit of a sad thing. I mean, to be honest, uh, this is a church that dates back to 1690, 1670, I should say. And, you know, significant pieces of artwork, I don't like to see them get damaged. But at the same time, they shouldn't be a object of that's used in uh, a worship context. The Bible is very, very clear about that. Okay, somebody um, texting about uh, COVID, the COVID story, uh, to mention that the flu kills 650,000 people worldwide every year. Um, and, you know, untold millions get it but have survived, etc. Uh, mm. Could it be that, it, that COVID's actually being used to increase the duration of the pandemic. Well, I'm not sure how that would work. It's an interesting thought. (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry, the lockdown. The lockdown could be used to increase the duration of the Mm. pandemic. Something I will say, though, because people bring that up a lot, like, oh, the flu kills so many people, da-da-da-da. But essentially, like, the thing about the flu is that it's we know what it is and we have various solutions to it. Whereas when COVID come on the scene and is we still, no on the scene, we have no what idea what it is. We have no solutions no for idea it. What its potential was. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yes. I think it's like people often point that out a lot. Like how many people die from the flu? But it's like, yeah, but we, we understand the flu. Yeah, it could have been, you know, in the early days, we didn't know it could have been the Spanish flu. I mean, something right. as severe as that. It turned out not to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the early stages, we certainly had no idea what the results were going to be. 100%. Mm. Um, fear is being used for a much darker reason. Well, hey, as many people have said, you don't waste a good crisis. Uh, fear is being used for a much darker reason. Most will wake up too late in the last 12 months. The world has changed at an astonishing rate and never returned to the good old days. The Bible told us so. The only good news is that Jesus is coming soon. This is what I love about the Bible, you know. Mm. Uh, um, I've read the end of the book. I know how it finishes. <laughs> and I actually find it really hard to put myself in the shoes of somebody who doesn't believe in the Bible and who doesn't know how it's all going to end and doesn't yeah, know the wow. end of the story. I sometimes, you know, sense the fear and sense the anxiety that there is in our world. You know, the Bible talks about at the end of time men's hearts failing them for fear for the things that are coming on the world and anxiety has definitely become, you know, one of the greatest pandemics that we're dealing with right now. And I just don't experience, I can't relate mm-hmm. to that. I just can't relate to that because I know how it ends. Jesus yeah, comes wow. back. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, Amen. Bad things to go through. And every time these bad things happen, it kind of plays into the hands of Christians. Right. Mm. Because beyond that, we have hope. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And it's almost like the more people do against Christianity, the more it plays into the hands of Christians because as Christians, we're just going to turn around and say, well, yeah, the Bible said it would be like that at the end of time. The Bible said you would do that. The Bible said you would say that. <laughs> um, you know, because, and, and it said this thousands of years ago. Mm. And, uh, well, you're fighting against the Bible, but you're actually fulfilling exactly what the Bible said. And the harder you fight, the more you fulfill it. You know, I, I can speak from experience of being on the outside and you coming can. in. Yes. And just, it's so powerful. Like, 
I think that particularly amongst our young people in, in a, in a broader sense of, I'm not trying to generalize or I'm not trying to, you know, speak to anyone, but there is this sense of like, Oh, you know, the Bible prophecy is, ah, you know, it's there. We know it's the thing that establishes our faith. And it was really important to a lot, a lot of people, but you know, now we're just kind of riding it out and doing our thing with Jesus. And I'm like, man, for me anyway, coming into the church, the Bible prophecy gave me so much hope. Um, because like, especially like for me, I was very a religious, it wasn't that I was like an atheist or anything, but just being an a-religious person, I'm like, I'm not going to give my life to something unless I know that there's some proof. Um, and that's, you know, firstly, that's what Bible prophecy gave to me. It was like testable proof that God really is who he says he is. But furthermore, the way that it speaks into the events, I mean, I just remember I had so many questions about the world around me, so many questions that led me to a point, like, you know, just looking at injustice and stuff and, and struggling with things in my own life where I was like, man, what is even the point of living? What's the point of life? What's the point of going on if we live and die and we're just faced with more confronting circumstances? circumstances every single day if things just get harder what's the point and it's like ultimately you know we find in the bible that like the point is that we have somewhere to go Mm. we have hope we have and something more not only in the life to come but in the life that we have right now and and i can speak from experience that that understanding that has changed my life like i'm sitting here today doing radio uh you know talking about jesus talking about jesus living as a christian ben and i think all of it stemmed from the word of God, first and foremost, but specifically in my situation, the way that God showed me, like, no, Lawson, I have a handle on your situation. I know what, what you're going through, and I know what's coming up. Like, stick with me. So, yeah, powerful stuff. Praise I love God. It. Praise mm-hmm. God. Let's go to our Bible study, our 20 million movement Bible study. So 20 million people all studying the same passage of the Bible at the same time. Mm. You get to be part of the movement today. That's pretty exciting. You can join those 20 million other people. And today we're looking at Genesis chapter 2. Janae, if you could read for us verse 16 and 17, please. Yes. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Okay, so let's uh, stop and think about this verse for a moment. Why did God mess up the Garden of Eden so badly by putting this terrible tree in it? Ooh. He didn't mess it up. So this is the thing, Lilas, that like your sentiment, I, I think sitting here as Bible experienced people were like, no, this is a good thing. But this is a, that's a super valid question. Like mm-hmm. that a lot of non-Christians, non-Bible-based people ask, they're like, what, what is the point of creating a risk? This is this is true because we live in a world in which we eliminate risks. We do everything right. to mitigate risk. You know, we have this uh, we have this vent above our above our desk here in the studio mm-hmm. that pumps out freezing cold air in summer, which turns our <laughs> studio into a fridge, and blazing hot air in winter, which means that it can be like minus three outside, and we're all sitting here in t shirts. And so we kind of got it blocked off, but you have to, you know, adjust it every now and then. Mm-hmm. And we won't tell this to the work and health and safety uh, person. But. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. From 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 time to time, um, we we there there are certain people who may have possibly stood on the desk to adjust it. Hmm. Mm. I wonder who that was. I have oh. no idea. <laughs> uh, and 
you know, you work in health and safety person what walks past and it's like you're in all kinds of strife <laughs> for standing on your desk. Uh, so this is what we do as human beings. Mm. We eliminate risk. Yes. Mm. God sets up the world and he creates risk and places a bang smack in the centre of the mm. garden. It's like here is the riskiest thing ever. This is lethal. He places mm. lethal risk there. Mm. He places eternal lethal risk right in the centre of the Garden of Eden. And so many times, you know, because, you know, I just spat that question out and Janae just puts a big smile on her face. She's like, no, you didn't You didn't mess up the Garden of Eden. This is how he made it perfect. Mm. Um, but I've had so many people who are not Christians who have just come to me and said, what kind of a sick God is it that creates something that is super risky and puts it there within reach of everybody? What was he you know, thinking would happen. What was he expecting here? Right. Well, mm. we've got to remember that God is, a, you know, a God of love. And with yes. love comes choice. And yes. we know that, you know, you can't be forced to love someone. Just as in, you know, relationships that we have here on earth, you know, with other people in our lives, you can't force someone to love you and you can't be forced to love someone else. It's all a matter of, of free will. And that's what God wanted to give us because he wanted that relationship with us. And we see that God provides right he makes this you know beautiful garden it's perfect everything there um it has everything you could ever want and all he says is he's this tree and it's just there you don't have to touch it there's just one tree that's it everything else you can have so he's providing for them in all of these amazing ways and you know they have so much choice and there's that one tree and it's kind of, kind of like you know when little kids and they're kind of just doing their thing and their parent says don't touch that and little kid wants to touch the one thing that the parent says not to. And so it's kind of like that in that, you know. It's kind of like when somebody says, don't look, what do you do? Your you head look. snaps around so fast. <laughs> well, depends context. But, <laughs> but it was just, it was a, I think the point to make here is that it was a test of faith and a test of loyalty. Mm. It wasn't meant to be something that was necessarily evil, you know, a sick God that, you know, that, um, that would put danger, mm. you know, in a place for his children. It was a matter of, you know, testing Where's your heart at? You know, I gave you free choice. What does that mean for us? Mm. And it wasn't a test in the sense that God is like some hard taskmaster, mm. like, you know, you need to sit an exam, you know, to, to prove how much you love me. But rather, God is is so focused, and this is what we were talking about yesterday, so focused and intentional in how he relates to his you know, creation. Mm-hmm. He wants to give them that experience of free choice. We talked about this free choice creation that they can live in the image of God, that he gives them a means to choose him, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. which is powerful. Uh, I, I mentioned this yesterday, I think, and, and we talked about it with Robbie show, the idea of liberty and license. And this is the, the perfect, uh, the perfect, I guess, example of that, because these people are given such liberty, They're given Mm -hmm. such freedom. Like, that's the point that God makes is like, you have such immense freedom to be able to do whatever you want here. Like, you guys can, yeah, just go crazy, eat all of the garden, all of the trees, all the fruit, except one, except one. And it's it's because of this reason. It's because, like, he gives them such freedom to live within the bounds of their design. Uh, which is ultimately like they can live outside of those bounds, but living outside of those bounds means death and struggle and, you know, what would come about them. Ah, there's that. Robbie actually gave an amazing example. He said, so if you're a fish, right, 
and you're you're a fish in the sea and you you've got a pretty big area you get to swim around you know spend time in the sea um and then there's another fish and that fish is on land and you know it's it's flopping around on the land which fish is more free well, the one that's in the sea. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the other one, like, the, the fish isn't supposed to go on land. But it broke free from the sea. It broke free from the sea, but is it more free? Mm-hmm. Is it experiencing liberty like the fish within the sea? Mm-hmm. No. That's a really good illustration. It's really good. I was like, Robbie, you're a genius. It's <laughs> like, a really, really good illustration because, yeah, the, the fish that's it's in the sea. Either a genius or a good fisherman. <laughs> Yeah, one of the two. He's got the hair for a fisherman. But, um, it, yeah, essentially the fish that's swimming within the sea is the most free because it's acting within its design. Mm. Mm. It's, uh, it's you know, the fish that's outside of the sea, it's taking license. It's doing whatever it wants. But is it is it in liberty? Is it free? No, it's dying. And so that's exactly, I think, what we see here with this tree. That God gives us, he's loving enough to be caring about our choice, to be caring about our relationship with him. Um, and he gives us the choice to be in his design or out of it. Mm-hmm. It's just powerful. Could God have made it easier? I- then free choice. Now, could he, could, he made, could, he, could he have made the free choice, you know, still had free choice but made it easier? I, I don't think so because like choice like choices become difficult to make based on circumstances uh, but there's just simply not a circumstance in which they should eat the fruit whether the fruit was sitting on top of Mount Everest covered in like prickles or whether the fruit was in the mix, midst of the garden right next to them like because the accusation that Satan makes and I don't want to skip too far ahead in the Bible study is not that the fruit tastes good but it's what the fruit will let you do. That's right. That's mm. right. Absolutely. Mm. I mean, it, it, it does point out that, you know, it was pleasing to the eye and so it looked nice. There's no mm. question about that. And here's, here's an interesting thought. The Bible says that when God recreates the world, so just, just bear with me for, on, on this thought for a moment, when God recreates the world that there won't be any more sea. Mm. There'll be large bodies of water for sure, mm-hmm. but no more vast oceans. And the implication is that that's how the world used to be. Before the flood, we didn't have the vast, wasteless, you know, empty oceans that we have today, and that God will recreate the world without those vast spaces. Mm-hmm. Okay, so if that is the case, and we don't have those vast oceans in the new, we didn't have those vast oceans, that means that there would be a lot of, a lot of land space would have existed on our world yeah. in the time of Adam and Eve. Uh-huh. And think about the size of the planet compared to a human being. It's big. Mm-hmm. It's a big world. Pretty big. Yes. And you think about this for a moment. In the entire world, right, the, the, the whole planet, there's just one tree. Mm. Just one. That's it. Just one. And I sort of think about, you know, okay, God's, um, creating this world, Satan has rebelled. If God comes to Satan and says, well, I'm creating a perfect world down there so you can't go down there, then, of course, Satan's going to turn around and say, well, thank you, God, because you just proved my accusation correct that you are not a God of love, but rather you are a God of coercion. 
Mm. Yeah, because this is what he's this is what he's accusing God of. God, you've got a law. If you've got a law, then you're a God of coercion. You're not, God, you're not a God of love. He's saying you can't have love and law together. Those two can't coexist. God's saying, no, my law is a law of love. Uh, these accusations are flying backwards and forwards in heaven. A lot of people are confused over it. There are angels who decide to follow Satan. Um, God is creating this world. And uh, Satan's wondering, well, do I get access to the world? And so God mm. says, fine, I'll give you access to the world. Right. But I only give you access to one tree. I'm not giving you access to the whole planet. You can't go around just persecuting people. Mm. I'll give you access to one tree. And if they choose to be persecuted by you, right? Mm-hmm. If they go and say, yeah, we're going to interact with Satan, they have that free choice. Mm. Right. And the tragedy is that our world, the only one that ever did, <laughs> chose to interact with Satan and that interaction did not go well. Right. <laughs> yeah, bro. So I don't think that God could have made it much easier than, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not like God, you know, took the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, dug a big hole, put it in the hole and covered it over with leaves so that we would, well, you accidentally fell in there and landed on top of the tree and now you've touched it and now you're condemned, you know. It wasn't that God was setting up a trap. Mm. He put it in a very public place so that it could be easily recognised by everyone, because some people are like, oh, why do you put it in the middle of the garden? Well, you know, you wouldn't want it to be sort of just sort of wandering through the bush somewhere and accidentally start eating from some random tree that you'd never seen before. Right. And guys like, well, you know, you shouldn't have eaten that one because that's the one that I pointed out was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you're like, well, how was I supposed to know? Right. Mm. God's not doing that. Mm-hmm. God's putting in a very, very public place so that everybody, you know, as, as Adam and Eve, they go out and, and populate the earth, everybody can know and identify exactly what this tree is and uh, know and identify exactly why it is there. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Bible study, you are. Bible study time, we need to go back to our Bible study over here and uh, mm. there's some really important issues that are coming out in the... Um, in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that's in the Garden mm. of Eden, somebody texts us through, let's not forget that sin started in heaven. Many angels fell because of Satan. Wow. Adam and Eve needed to be tested as the obedient angels in heaven. They also had to make a choice. Mm-hmm. Mm. And, of course, if uh, they did not have to make that choice, then they would have been a robot. Mm. They had to make that choice because love exists. 100%. Remove the power of choice. You've eradicated love in one move. You know, it's interesting. Like we have the uh, the moniker "to death till death do us part." You know, when when people get married and they you know they do their vows in sickness and in health. And the point is, is that even in the most adverse situations, uh, that they those people will continue to self sacrifice to choose each other. Um, no matter what. And it's, it, yeah, we were talking earlier about, oh, is the tree of knowledge good and evil a trap? Is it, you know, is God trying to catch them out? Is God trying to get them? No, no. The point is, is that it, God like, is not into April Fools. 100%. No. That is not where God goes. <laughs> He's not into April Fools. But also, like, God puts Satan there as well. Like, the point is, is like, not, yeah, God's not trying to catch them out, but he's he, just the same as we say, Till death do us part, which is that we'll continue to choose the other person no matter how adverse the circumstances are. That was the point of, you know, the the tree being in the midst of the garden and Satan being there that, oh, yeah, like you have the potential to have adverse circumstances that test your choice. If there wasn't circumstances, it, like you were saying before, it's just a God of, not of love, but of coercion. Because if there's no ability to choose anything else and there's no circumstances that create that ability, then you just wouldn't. 
Mm. And, and then that's, that's not loving. Absolutely. Mm. Mm-hmm. Most assuredly. Um, during the break, Janae, you were sharing some thoughts there that, um, that you had that I thought were very good and, and needed to be shared. Remind us what, again, it was that you were um, talking about. Yeah, so I was just talking about how the tree and this so-called, you know, test was an offer from God. And that offer, uh, from his perspective, from his perspective, perspective, there we got it out, was that, you know, um, that he was basically saying, you know, I'm here for you. I mm. created you. You know, I want to be part of your life. I've done all of these things and I'm not expecting, you know, a reward. I'm not expecting you to come running back. I'm not forcing you to, but rather this offer is here. And it's up to you to take that offer. And ultimately, we see that, you know, that offer wasn't taken up. And that Adam and Eve basically summarize sin. Just that one action is what summarizes sin, is that it is turning away from that offer. And so when we look at it today, from our own, you know, lives and the journeys that we've come from, it is up to us to once again take up that offer and to respond. Because he just wants to know whether we, you know, whether we want to follow him, whether we love him, whether we will, you know, commit to a relationship with him just as Lawson was talking about marriage it is about commitment um, mm. to God and whether we're going to do that for ourselves um, and for others mm. absolutely yeah no I think that's a, a really valid point um, thank you for sharing it um, it tells us about the nature of God and it tells us about the nature of the relationship that he wants to have with us because mm. you know just the, merely the fact of the tree being there tells us that God is offering a relationship Mm. Mm-hmm. Because if the tree wasn't there, then the power of choice would not be there. And if the power of choice was not there, God couldn't offer a relationship because you can't have a relationship with a robot. Mm. Mm-hmm. Power of choice is what differentiates between a robot and a person. Isn't it so interesting? Like I think of, you know, just in fiction, this idea of paradise and how it never, you know, and there's that classic saying as well, like, um, you know, trouble in paradise. How there's always like whenever whenever there's like a paradise situation, I, I just think of movies and stuff where it's like it always ends up something goes wrong because you know the people get bored. There's something more for them. Da da da. da. Whereas, and that's because it's like oh this this existence without you know it's ultimately usually the paradise that's betrayed is a place without. Yeah, without circumstances, without consequences, without choice, you're just supposed to like sit down, shut up and be happy. And it's like God is, oh, God is so smart. He's not giving us that. He's not giving us this forced state of joy or bliss or nirvana or whatever. No, he's giving us a real life. Real relationship, real ability to grow, uh, which is, you know, the, the question comes up, oh, is if heaven's perfect, then does the grass grow? You know, mm-hmm. things like that. And it's like the thing about heaven, it, it, the perfection of heaven is the perfect relationship that we experience. One of love and one where choice is always made for the benefit of others. And it's that that existed from the very, very beginning without sin because of this tree. Like, ah, oh, it, it just makes me so excited for the heaven to come because I feel like there's a lot of conversations. I have a lot of feelings like, oh, well, you know, like heaven will be good because we'll be away from sin. But like, you know, after thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years, won't we get like bored or, you know, what changes? And it's like, no, everything is changing. 
Everything in heaven is going to be amazing and incredible. The perfection of it is that we'll be able to experience it with God in perfect relation. That will always be satisfying. We'll never come to that point where we're unsatisfied with the heaven that we have because it's, you know, we're unsatisfied with the new world, the new universe, the, uh, the other people we can interact with because it's, oh, it's getting stale. It's getting boring. There's, there's nothing really going on here. No, we'll always be growing. It's going to be amazing. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. I think that there's another point here, too, that we need to bring out, and that that is when God God asks us to do something, he's always specific about what he says. Mm -hmm. Mm. He didn't come to Adam and Eve and say, look, you know, you can eat all the fruit of all the trees in all the garden except for one. doesn't really matter which one. Why don't you pick one? You know, there's seven trees over here. Just pick one in seven. Mm -hmm. God didn't say that, did he? (laughs) God picked one out and said, don't eat from this particular tree right here. Mm. God is always specific, and it's our obedience to the specific commands of God that Mm. shows where our heart is Mm -hmm. and shows how much we love God. And that's exactly what you've got happening in the Garden of Eden is it was really Adam and Eve showing how much they love God, and it was their lack of love. You know, sin is a demonstration of a lack of love. Mm. That's what it comes down to. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Right now we are going to go to Question of the Day. What's our question of the day? Okay, question of the day. Easter's coming up, Lyle. Mm-hmm. And uh, essentially there's a lot of questions about Easter. Yes. Particularly, interestingly, from the, from the Christian community, it's seen as a Christian holiday. Yes. But because... Easter has its, you know, its origins as purely a pagan festival that Christianity has adopted. Should we keep it? Should we celebrate it? Should we practice it? Okay, so Easter, you'll notice that it is not set to a date. It's not set to the date of the crucifixion of Christ. It varies by anywhere up to six weeks every year because it follows the first full moon after the spring equinox, which was Ishtar's festival. Ishtar was the uh, queen and goddess of ancient Babylon. Um, Her her husband Nimrod had died, and when he died, she claimed that he had ascended to the sun and continued to rule from the sun, and then she was found to be pregnant, and it was a little bit too long after Nimrod had died, so she claimed immaculate conception and claimed that the child that she was going to give birth to was the son of the sun, as in the sun in the sky. Um, this was a great counterfeit that Satan was raising up. She proclaimed herself as the mother of God and the queen of heaven. Um, And then, of course, what happened was she had an annual festival that followed the cycle of the moon because she was female, she was a female queen, the sacred feminine, all this kind of thing. Um, They worshipped the power of, you know, reproductive power. And so her festival followed the cycle of the moon. And uh, before her festival one year, her son was killed in a hunting accident. Uh, Tammuz was killed. She mourned for him for 40 days and then she stopped her mourning because she had to kind of stop because it was her annual festival, the festival of Ishtar or Easter as we call it today, which was celebrated with symbols such as chickens and eggs and rabbits because of their uh, being symbols of reproduction. And that's the origin of Easter. Of course, the uh, origin of Christmas is that that was her son Tammuz's birthday. And so this is very, very steeped in paganism. And a lot of Christians, they have this, uh, this, this, this sense, this feeling that, you know, we should not have anything to do with anything that has pagan roots. 
which of course is what we often refer to as the genetic fallacy. The genetic fallacy is the fallacy in which we say that the pagan thing cannot be separated from the, ob- the, the the paganism, the worship cannot be separated from the object. So, for example, if you look at the issue in 1 Corinthians chapter 8 of meat offered to idols, there were many Christians who would not eat meat that had been dedicated to uh, idol worship and was used in idol practice, whereas Paul comes along and says, it's just food, get over it. But if you can't get over it, then don't touch it. And it's exactly the same with Easter and Christmas and so forth. These are great times that the whole world recognizes as being about Jesus. So we should use them to talk about Jesus as we are this evening with the N.Digital. We take uh, every opportunity we can to deal with them, you know, to, to, to remember these as times to talk to people about Jesus. That's what they are there for. Um, does that make them inherently evil because 2,000 years ago they were a pagan practice? No, it doesn't. Uh, a pagan practice is inherently evil when it goes against the commandments of God. And Christmas mm-hmm. and Easter, they don't go against the commandments of God. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, we, we don't fall into the genetic fallacy there. They fall into the same category as food that is offered to idols, something that we once saw as being pagan and now no longer do. And so this is a great time to remember all that Jesus did for us, but an even greater time, most importantly, to rem- to share Jesus with the people around us. And a great way to do that is to invite all your friends to be part of the N.Digital this evening with Sharissa Tarosian. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.